Welcome to the Planet Patrick podcast, solo travel with a taste for luxury. Find it on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Coming up today, the emergency room, the first flight of 2022. The battle of being an organizing project manager continues. And flying tomorrow with WestJet. What should I expect? I'm Patrick Hughes and this is Planet Patrick. Today's podcast is being recorded in my friend Michael's apartment outside of London. I travelled the other day from Dublin across to London so that I could go to Hammersmith and check out the place where we trained to be singers in Riverdance. As you know, this is the start of the Riverdance Revisited series and tour. And from here, I'm travelling tomorrow to Canada to start out on that part of the journey. And I'm heading to Vancouver via Calgary. So we're going to get to that. But if you listened to the last podcast, you'll remember that I was talking about selling my house. Now, uh, everything is prepared and ready to rock. But the agent came along and said, oh, you've got a lovely four bedroom house. It looks fine as it is. But if you want to get the absolute best price, you're going to have to redress or stage some of the rooms as bedrooms that you're not using as bedrooms. And so in the final week before getting ready to go on this trip, I had to spend rather a lot of time organizing beds to come in and dining tables to go out and a new sofa to arrive. Somewhere towards the end of uh, last week on Wednesday, Thursday, I started to feel this weird pain in my right hand side of my tummy, of my lower abdomen, between my hip and my belly button. And I thought, what's that? It was like a tender spot, like a sore spot. And my sister and nieces advised me to pop along to the local GP and just get it checked out to be sure. So the day before traveling to London, I uh, phoned up the GP. I said, I'm sure this isn't anything. And he said, well, why don't you come in? We'll check it over. And to cut a long story short, he sent me to the emergency room. (laughs) He was concerned that it might be appendicitis. It was a very specific pain in a specific location that appeared to be where the appendix is. And so I hot-footed it, um, this was around 8.30 in the morning, to the local hospital and to A&E. Now, on arrival, uh, they take your blood pressure and, you know, assess, do an initial assessment, a triage of your symptoms. And they were concerned that my blood pressure was a little high. Now, I have something called white coat syndrome. I don't know if you've come across that before, but it means that when I'm in the presence of a medical professional who's doing a blood pressure test, my blood pressure goes up. And I know this because uh, I did a test with my GP for 24 hours where they put a monitor on you. When I was in the doctor's surgery, it was elevated. And when I was away from the doctor's surgery, I was absolutely fine. So luckily I knew about that and I was able to say, look, if it's elevated, the reason is because of this white coat syndrome. But nonetheless, they uh, kept monitoring me for a couple of hours and they gave me an ECG and had me wait then to get some bloods done and to speak to a doctor. So along came the doctor. He tested and prodded and probed and his sort of initial feeling was, if you've got appendicitis, which this might be, 
then we're going to see it in your blood markers. You're going to have some kind of inflammation marker that's going to show up. But I'd expect you to be doubled over in pain and you're not doubled over in pain. Back I went on my little seat in the corridor, waiting for the blood results. And every time he saw me, he nodded as if to say, I know, we're all waiting for the results to come through. (laughs) And while I was sitting there, I thought to myself, you know, if this has to happen, if I need to have an operation, obviously this Riverdance Revisited trip would be cancelled, at least for you know the period of recovery, which they reckoned would take around four or five weeks. And if anything that COVID has taught me is to book a refundable fare <laughs> or a refundable hotel, where previously I would have been number one for saving that extra $5 or £10 on something. Now I'm not. And I thought, you know what, if I have to cancel everything, I have to cancel everything. The great thing about where I'm at in my life is that I'm able to go at a different time. And it wouldn't be a big drama. Of course, your health is the most important thing. So after about four and a half hours, I think, in the emergency room, The doctor came along and I was sitting in my familiar spot in the uh, waiting corridor of destiny and he nodded. Patrick Hughes, he said, and he brought me to a room. Now, he had spoken to a senior consultant and they were pretty sure that this wasn't acute appendicitis. It could be a grumbling or a groaning or whatever the right word is, appendix. Uh, And perhaps the rushing around, the lifting of furniture, the... 12-hour days to get the house ready before I headed off on this trip was foolish and trying to fit in too much before I was traveling. Um, And whether it was a combination of being a bit run down and maybe having pulled a muscle or something having gone wrong wrong in that area a little bit, um, they felt that there wasn't anything imminent. And the fact that I wasn't traveling long haul immediately the next day, but coming to London for a few days actually stood in my favor. In other words, if I was here in London for two or three days and something flared up, I'd have the opportunity to get it checked out before I got on that long flight. And nobody wants to get appendicitis on a long flight. And so my emergency room moment was not too bad. Yes, there was a bit of waiting around and yes, it probably took longer than they wanted for the bloods to come back. And it took a few hours on my final day in Ireland before traveling. But once I'd taken a deep breath and once I'd left the emergency room uh, or A&E, then, you know, I was pretty happy and pretty stoked to be able to still travel. Next day came really quickly, 6am the next morning. The last couple of things had to be done in the house. My bed had to be redressed and ready for staging. Even after the lesson of the emergency room, I was still working too hard. A taxi came and took me to the bus station. And within an hour, I was at Dublin airport, ready to head off on this first part of the journey. Now, this was the first flight of 2022. And I'm not doing a specific flight report for it because it's an Aer Lingus Airbus 320 between Dublin and London Heathrow, and I've previously reviewed that on other travel vlogs. But I still managed to capture a little bit of what was going on. 
What was interesting, though, was that whenever I got onto the flight, a member of the cabin crew noticed that I was carrying a camera. The camera wasn't switched on. I wasn't filming anything. And generally, I don't when I'm getting on, and particularly when I was carrying a lot of heavy luggage in this particular instance. But she said, you can't film. And I said, well, I wouldn't film staff members or members of the public without their permission anyway. So absolutely no problem at all. But I do like to film takeoff and landing. And she said, oh, that's fine. But I remarked on the fact that she was mentioning this because Aer Lingus, if anything, have encouraged uh, or at least been very comfortable with people who are filming. Part of the announcement then came, if you're intending to take a picture or film, then you need to make sure that that's for your personal use only. In other words, it's a picture of yourself or it's a piece of film of yourself. Now, this seemed well rehearsed, but it's new since the last time I was on an Aer Lingus flight four or five months ago. Um, and it seems to be part of the general make sure you switch things off your laptop and your phone. Uh, it's part of that announcement now. So that seems to be a bit of a change from Aer Lingus. Again, all that I wanted to film on this particular flight was the takeoff and landing. And so that wasn't an issue. And I don't mind. I, you know, I, I think it's very reasonable not to film staff when they're doing uh, their job. Of course, if you're in a public zone um, and you're out in the public, it's very difficult not to film when there's somebody walking, you know, somewhere across your shot. And I think that's reasonable. But I think if you were to zone in or zoom in on somebody when they were doing something personal, that would be problematic. And all of us try to avoid that. Certainly, I do along the way. I was heading to Hammersmith and... Once I reached Heathrow, I was a little bit ahead of time and I thought, this is great. I'm going to get across London, get the filming done in Hammersmith, which is where we trained in Riverdance, and head out here to Chelmsford, where I was visiting my friend Michael for a couple of days. But first, I had to get my PCR test before travelling to Canada. There was a testing spot over in Heathrow Terminal 3. That's an easy walk, so off I trundled. And I was about an hour early and they took me immediately into my little space to get tested and the woman who was testing me had her mask and if you're listening to this rather than watching it on the video she had her mask over her mouth but not over her nose <laughs> it's like somebody once said it's like a condom that's uh, you've attached to your finger instead of to the appropriate appendage lee said about that soonus mended Anyway, the test was taken before I was deciding what to say or whether to say anything and I swept out of there pretty quickly to get the tube across to Hammersmith and as I walked up to the underground station there were people wearing pink tabards or vests uh, who were saying, oh, the tube is closed for the next two days. Oh no! How do you get from Heathrow to Hammersmith? Well, I wasn't entirely sure um, and... I asked one of the attendants and they said, oh, that woman over there is also going to Hammersmith, follow her. So what do you do? I <laughs> wandered off after this poor woman and we went outside and luckily there were coaches or a replacement service that happened to be going directly to Hammersmith. Now, I think if you were heading anywhere else on that line, you had to pick up alternative arrangements in Hammersmith, but I was delighted because it dropped me around the corner from the Hammersmith Apollo Theatre and all was good. 
The only problem was it took close to two hours to get to Hammersmith, but there was enough light for me to be able to film a little bit. I trained in Hammersmith with Riverdance towards the latter end of 1997. I think we went there in November 1997. And another company of Riverdance was there called the Liffey Company. Now, I was joining an all-new company called the Lagan Company, which was designed to go into slightly smaller theatres, two to 3,000-seater venues in North America, in Canada and the USA. And because the Liffey Company were in London already in the West End, it made a perfect opportunity for us to go and see what was happening with another show. Um, I'd only gone back once ever since, and that was to see Kate Bush in that seminal set of concerts that she did as a residency at Hammersmith. But it looked even different, you know, five years after that had taken place. It felt smaller for some reason. I wanted to go to the backstage area, just the outside, because that's really where we came in and out and we started to get familiar with stage work and with each other as a group of singers and then the singers with the dancers and the other cast members like the band members with the singers with the da- so that's where relationships were formed the conversations were had on the way in and out of the stage door but that was all completely securely sealed off and I couldn't get to see that I've got a full piece on this in the upcoming vlog with regard to Hammersmith so keep an eye out for that Ah, the battle of the organising project manager, or former project manager, versus somebody who desires to let go of over-organising. That battle rages in me. There's quite a few travel vlogs that I like. I'm thinking of Cara and Nate, maybe of Eamon and Beck, and others who particularly do van life or flight work. And you'll see them in a particular place, and they're saying, oh, I'm... Uh, I'm in such and such a place, I think it's great, I'm staying two days more and I'll book a flight, you know, when I'm ready to leave. I've always been Mr. Organised. I'm like, I'm going to here, I'm going to this place for, you know, two days and then my flight is exactly at this time and here's how I get there. And I'm trying to kind of release that particular beast a little bit. For this upcoming trip, I don't have a deadline to get back. Not a strict one. I'm expecting the series and tour to take somewhere between four and six weeks. But there is a practical problem, even as I'm trying to be a bit less organised. And that is, when you arrive into a country, there's a very reasonable expectation that you have a date by which you're going to leave and you can provide evidence of that. And so this first part of the upcoming Riverdance Revisited series, which is Canada... Um, I'm going to arrive in Vancouver tomorrow night, quite late, and it's a very reasonable expectation for the border staff to say, when are you leaving Canada? You can't just turn up and stay for a massive amount of time. And so it's much easier if you've already booked that onward connection. So over the past couple of days, I've been starting to sketch out the latter part of my Canadian trip, and that brings me to a particular decision. If I'm to follow things absolutely religiously from the uh, Riverdance journey, I'm showing everybody uh, on the video now my itinerary, then I would be going to Vancouver, then Calgary, then Regina in Saskatchewan, and then to Edmonton. 
Now, I had already organized Vancouver pretty well, and I'm going to Vancouver Island. Um, that's going to be part of an upcoming vlog, of course. And then I knew I was going to Calgary. My friends in Calgary that I'm staying with, Kerry and Byron, said to me, oh, we're, we're intending to travel to Edmonton. Uh, why don't you come with us and we'll do a road trip? I thought, okay, well, we can go Calgary to Edmonton and I'll fit in Regina at the end of that. When I started to look at the flights and the costs, um, it was starting to rack up pretty quickly. And um, to get from Edmonton to Regina, which normally would have a direct flight since COVID has happened and there's been all kinds of problems with uh, North American airlines being short-staffed, there's currently no direct flight, or at least not on the dates that I want to fly. And so I need to fly back to Calgary or Vancouver and then to Regina. The costs are racking up because that's now costing somewhere around $400. And if you want to travel at a reasonable time of day, it's maybe a little bit more than that, $500. So I would have to pay an extra $500 to go to Regina, where I'd only like to stay for one day anyway. Sorry, Regina, I apologize. Um, but that's starting to become a little bit too expensive for a one-night stay. The happy news is, for completeness, that we revisited Regina on a second part of the Riverdance trip in the summertime. And Regina in the summertime is a really beautiful place and in the wintertime is really jolly cold. So I'm going to add Regina to a subsequent tour and just remember it fondly from Edmonton instead. I've added one more city to the roster that isn't technically part of the tour. When I leave Edmonton on the 1st of February, I'm heading to the US. I looked up the cost of flying from Edmonton to Seattle with WestJet. It was about $300. The exact same flights with Delta in WestJet, <laughs> flying WestJet, but booked through Delta, cost $200. It's a lesson to all of us to double check the cheapest ways of getting from city to city particularly where there's a code share and somebody else might have a particular offer on that you could avail of. That's Patrick's handy tip for today. I've added Seattle because I applied a few months ago for trusted traveler status with the United States government. And I've gone through various steps along the way uh, where they have made a judgment that I sound like um, an acceptable candidate bar the fact that you have to do an interview before it's finally signed, sealed and delivered. You can do that when you're leaving particular airports, particularly Dublin, where your final destination is the United States. Now, I'm not doing one of those flights at the moment, but you can do this new thing, which is uh, where they do the interview with you on arrival. And Seattle is one of the airports where you can do the interview on arrival. So on this specific date, leaving Edmonton via Vancouver, I'm flying into Seattle and I've picked a morning flight so that there's plenty of time for queues and getting checked and everything else in Seattle by uh, the US Border Service. Would that be the TSA? I'm, I'm not quite sure who does the check, maybe the Immigration Service. I have to bring a lot of paperwork and if I'd realised, I read about it last night, I would have definitely brought everything with me. In particular, they need things like bills from your home to make sure that you live where you say that you live. They're going to have to do with a printout of my phone bill somewhere along the way. 
Seattle is also handy for another reason. And it's specifically so that I can do a, a train trip from Seattle to Portland. There's a couple of different options, but the one that I'm picking is the Amtrak Cascades. I'm looking forward to doing that. And in fact, you can do this trip. It's about four hours in economy for somewhere around 30 to $40. Now, if you really want to splash out, you can spend maybe 50 to $55 and travel instead in business. I'm not sure that there's a huge difference between the two or that you get a meal or drink service to your seat, but I think it's probably worth paying the extra 10 or $15 uh, to be able to enjoy that. The next stop is Oregon. And the reason everyone's excited about Oregon all the time, particularly when we toured with Riverdance, is that there's no sales tax. And someone was telling me the other day that the crew of Riverdance were always very excited to reach Oregon because if they needed a bike part or a computer thing, Jig Maleri, then that was the perfect place to shop for it because you weren't paying 7% or 10% extra on top of it. Now, I'm going to Oregon and staying in Oregon for an extra two days so that I can do the same thing. And I'm probably going to stay in a motel beside a mall. It's exciting, but not that exciting. I'd love to buy a range of things, including a new camera, a new faster laptop, a gimbal stabilizer. I need a new phone. My existing one is almost five years old and is starting to go on the blink. Starting, it's been on the blink for about a year. Now, I can't do all of that at once and, you know, I've been saving up for a while, so I think I'm going to be able to afford the phone and a gimbal. But any new thing I love, I love technology, I'm sure many of you are the same as that, um, but I think the gimbal stabilizer, I'm looking at the Crane M3, is something which will improve the quality of my videos and make things seem a little more stable. And anything that does that, that makes me seem a little bit more stable, is some kind of magical implement. So I'm flying tomorrow with WestJet in economy, Tuesday, the 18th of January, 2022. The flight number is W2. I'm flying from London Gatwick to Calgary first and then onwards to Vancouver. Now, I got a great deal for this economy seat. It cost £176. Then I realized that you can't get a seat or organize a seat without paying extra for it. And I want to be able to film the takeoff and landing as best I can. So I paid £29 for a seat a little bit further back. You could have paid close to £100 to be slightly closer to the front, but for the same seat. Now, all of the reviews that I've seen say that WestJet in economy is pretty tight. So far, as far as I can tell from the seat map, there's somebody sitting in the aisle seat and I'm sitting in the window seat and there's currently nobody in the middle. Of course, if it's a busy flight, that will change and it will be tight as tight can be. It's a nine hour flight, leaving around 20 past one uh, in on British time and arriving into Calgary time. Is that? It's not mountain time, is it? Alberta time um, at 20 past three. Um, the flight is on a Boeing 787-9 and the configuration in economy is 333. There is a premium economy service and a business service. I've seen some people review that business service and they seem pretty impressed by it. But at the time of booking, that was really quite expensive, somewhere around 
£1,500 versus £185 for what I was booking in economy. I have a connecting flight. Remember I was mentioning about North America, there being all kinds of problems and cancellations and rescheduling. Well, that has affected my connecting flights. In fact, all of my flights within Canada so far have been changed slightly. I was originally connecting and had maybe a 90-minute layover, but that has now extended to four hours. After a nine-hour flight, that's probably not what you want, but on arrival in Canada, uh, you have obviously have to go through border control and customs, which everyone's expecting to do, and you have to fill out lots of uh, information in advance using the ArriveCan app, like a passenger locator information and you also provide their results of your PCR test and evidence of your vaccination status. Happily, the PCR test came back negative. Woohoo! So I am definitely able to travel, which is great. But there's this slightly weird and wonderful thing happening with Canada in that people may be randomly selected uh, to undergo a further PCR test on arrival. Seems like a reasonable thing, but on the Canada website, the Canada Travel Entry Requirements website, it seems to indicate that you can book or pre-register for the test that you would have on arrival. I went on to the booking service that Canada was providing through their health provider. I think they're called Smart Health. And only Canadian residents can actually apply for this service anyway. So, I mean, that's great for Canadian residents, but not so great for those of us who are not. For example, their system doesn't recognize phone numbers from outside of Canada. I wrote to Smart Health, and to be fair to them, they wrote back super quickly. And they said, well, you can't pre-register, but use this website to pre-register. So I don't quite know what that email meant. <laughs> I'll leave that one alone from here. And so hopefully tomorrow night around 10 past 8 in the evening, uh, I'm going to be transferring from Vancouver Airport after a 90-minute flight from Calgary to Vancouver and staying at the Century Plaza, which was the first hotel that we stayed at when we were cohesively a new company of Riverdance. And we stayed there for two months. We performed at the Ford Theatre in Vancouver. That's what it was called then. I think it's now the Centre for Performing Arts in Vancouver. And in the Century Plaza, we stayed in these little suites. There was a kitchenette so we could cook something or make breakfast. Uh, and I'm returning to the same place. Disconcertingly, when I typed in Century Plaza Vancouver, one of the first reviews that came up was, are there bed bugs in this hotel? Well, I'm not sure there's not, but we'll discover together. And that'll be part of an upcoming video if there are bed bugs. But it was expensive enough that there shouldn't be. <laughs> Uh, and it looks like it's been done up a little bit in the meantime, and I'm excited to try it out. So that's it for this episode of the Planet Patrick podcast. Thanks so much for being here. I hope you're enjoying these new podcasts. And if you can see on the video, on my scarf, I've managed to pin my Riverdance badge. And this is something I think we were given at our first premiere. One of my former colleagues from Riverdance will be able to tell me where we got it, but it's a silver pin, uh, and I don't wear it very often, but I'm going to wear it throughout uh, this particular upcoming series. Please come along and join me. Subscribe on the YouTube channel. You can also subscribe on Spotify to this podcast uh, and on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts from. There's new content every week. 
I try to publish travel vlogs every Wednesday and Sunday at noon, so you can find those over on the YouTube channel, and then podcasts whenever I get a chance to record them. I release them pretty quickly, usually the same day. Until the next episode of the Planet Patrick podcast, take care. Bye-bye. I'm Patrick Hughes and this is Planet Patrick.